What's going on, everybody? My name is Ian Martini, and you are listening to Don't Cough on the Sushi. That's right. We are back again for another week of fabulous fun and uh, our month of David Bowie things. And alongside me, as always, Mr. Benjamin Kuntz. Hey, guys. What's going on? That's right. So we thought we would end on a high note with the whole Bowie thing here. Right. And we're, we're, we're going with possibly one of the worst songs that has ever came through my ears we're actually going to do a whole list of songs that we feel are just awful just by awful. great people right it, i i think the the big thing that we that we wanted to do here is to just find songs that have no upside uh you know because there are bad songs that at least have something going for them yeah uh, like I, earlier i mentioned abracadabra by steve miller it's like that song by itself by steve miller is pretty awful in other contexts, it could be all right. Like there could be like, oh, this could be decent potentially. Yeah, there's there's the potential for it. So here's how this is going to work. Uh, ben and I are going to listen through our headphones to the song. We can't actually put the song over the podcast for copyright reasons. I looked into this extensively before right. we came in today because I thought, oh, maybe if we pay a few seconds. No, no, the no. Damn you can government. you can get hammered by it. Um, so we're just going to play Dancing in the Street in our headphones. We're going to have the list up on our site, so if you want to follow along, you can obviously go up there and follow along with us. So the first song is Dancing with the Street. We're just going to talk about how awful this song is. Um, yeah, and specifically, uh, we're talking about the David Bowie and Mick Jagger version released uh, in the 80s, actually, and I just found this out, in support of the Live Aid charity, believe it or I not. I did not know this was part but, of the Live Aid yeah. charity. Well, because they wanted originally, and I don't know if this was before the song came out or afterwards, they wanted to uh, do a live duet of it at Live Eight with Mick in uh, either London or New York. So they wanted to. Oh, I don't even know how they would have tried to pull that Satellite off. Satellite simulcast. There's no way. The delay yeah. is way, especially back then. Exactly. That's that's exactly why they didn't do it. It was a, it was a uh, very bold opportunity. But I just listening to the song and then watching the video to go on top of it. Before we we came up and started you know, the podcast recording, we, we watched a version where they took all of the sound out and dubbed over it with the sound of like the feet tapping on the ground and, and them singing really shittily over the top of it. It's, 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 it's incredible, quite frankly. I, I have not laughed that hard in quite some time, but just, I don't know, I, every version of this song, and this almost includes the original version, I just find appalling. Like I just, I, I yeah. don't know. I just don't like it. I don't this think is, it's a good song. This is the kind of song where I can remember, even as a kid, hearing it and being like, this is all right. Like, I don't understand why this song... Like, people talk about this song as one of the seminal songs of the 60s, the original. And then you talk about the Van Halen version. And again, people are just like, ah, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I, to reiterate, we're talking about Dancing in the Street, specifically the version with... Mick Jagger and David Bowie, yes. but now we're talking about it as a whole, just to catch you back up to speed in case you lost us. Yeah, no, and exactly. It it it's an okay song that, as more people covered it, I feel like it's just gotten worse and worse. And Van worse. Halen actually covered it at one point in time. It, yeah, yeah. I on the uh, I think it was the Diver Down album. Yes. Yeah, I I remember. I think after the the Phillies played the world or won the World Series, I ended up playing that song by Van Halen a few times because there's nothing like having a soundtrack to watching the people of Philadelphia destroy their city in the name of sports. Well, yeah. And I mean, we potentially have that to look forward to again in the next coming weeks. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Wait, potentially. What am I talking about? Yeah. What kind of Eagles fan are you that yeah. uh, 
You're saying potentially. God, you got to act like they're going to win. Advocating the destruction of the very city. Yeah, you know. Well, the best part is, what did they... They covered the lamppost in what? Uh, uh, Crisco. Yeah, which can potentially be flammable. So I wonder if anybody <laughs> has thought of that one. <laughs> yeah, potentially bad move there, but, you know. Uh, you know what? Right. When you're it's drunk, right. it's like, yeah, what, what, yeah. whatever. Uh, we're going to move right along. Uh, so the next song is actually a Christmas song. We actually have two Christmas songs on our list, and this is our... our first one um this is possibly the song that will kill me uh this is wonderful christmas time by paul mccartney possibly the worst christmas song ever recorded possibly the worst song period oh (laughs) recorded And, and again this is the case i think where the person writing it and performing it just just what where why like like where where in your where in your thought process when you, when the recording of this was going on did somebody go you know what this is gonna be great right I mean this is this is the man who wrote the long and winding road who wrote let it be he's like one of the best musicians in the world at like putting emotion into songs and then this is his Christmas song I think I think the biggest part of this song that I hate is that generic like synthesizer sound like just when you hear it it makes you cringe you mean the main music in the song besides the jingle bells yes and and at first you when you first hear it like when i first heard it it goes like okay that's all right this is a decent song and then the more i heard it because when they play it at christmas time like every fucking 10 minutes yeah i literally feel like number of years of my life have gone down Every time I hear this song, and this is no exception, which means I only have about three years left on my life, Ben. And I mean, my God, next Christmas, I, I, I don't, I don't see how you're, how you'll, how you will survive. Excuse no, me. I next think Christmas. I just have to avoid my radio for the rest of my life around Christmas time. I mean, to be fair, that you know. God, and what was that noise? I don't know. What I, that is. I, this, this song is baffling. Yes, it just, it seems like one of those things that they just did at the end of a recording session that no one thought would see the day of light, the light of day, rather. Yeah, and I, it just crawled out of whatever pit they left it in. Yeah, I mean another uh, fun fact about the Beatles is uh, the song "She's So Heavy." I actually learned this from one of my residence directors. That song, the reason the ending goes on the way it does, yeah. is because the recording that they had for it, uh, what they're recording on, obviously the old reel, the reel, whatever they were at the time, they just kept playing until the tape ran out, <laughs> which course. is why the song just ends. <laughs> Right, because when you're the Beatles, you don't actually have to think of an end to a song. You can just pretty much wing it. Oh, what are we going to do? Well, why don't we just wait until the tape runs out, and we'll figure it out then. Oh, thanks, Ringo. Sounds like a great idea. Hey, leave Ringo alone, goddammit. My it. least favorite Beatle, goddammit. Let's well, not go there. Yeah, yeah, you're allowed to be wrong. Whatever. All right, moving on. Moving right it. along past the Beatles. Uh, the next song on our list is uh, quite possibly another one of the worst songs ever created. Not because I would say that lyrically-wise, maybe it's not the worst. But right. a certain man by the name of Lars Ulrich made this awful, um, and that would be the song "Saint well, Anger." And it's off of the Saint Anger album. Arguably, it's not even his fault because. Hang I mean, on a second, though. <laughs> Hang on. We just discussed that the guy who was producing this record knew that the sound of his snare, because the reason this song sucks and this whole album was awful, was because of that snare sound that he had. And the engineer, or what was it, the engineer or the yeah, producer? The, the engineer told them straight up, hey, listen, this sounds awful. And Lars is like, nah. Well, I mean, yeah, you're right, but. 
Yeah, Come I, on. Got, I got I, nothing. Wait, what do you got on that? Come I got, on. I got nothing. But but so moving on from like the, the terrible snare sound and just the terrible production of the album, I think in general, like this just isn't a good Metallica song because I always I always assumed with Saint Anger is one of those things that oh, people get wrapped up in one bad thing about the album and drag the whole thing down on that. Well No, this this song is just bad. Well, if I recall, this this album was the return after a few years. They 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 didn't make music for f- quite a few years, I think, and then this album came back because I remember it being a big deal when it came out, right? Um, and this is what you got. Yeah, well, yeah, because I, I think they, I mean, they went through a bunch of problems. I, I think James Hetfield went to he went to rehab at some point during the production of it. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just it, oh. oh god, yeah, I mean, just listening in. To our headphones is making me, and it's it's all cringe. the more it it's okay now to me because I can look back at it. You know, I think that the last album they did was absolutely incredible. I think the album they did before that was okay. Like this, it's just the absolute shits. Like, oh god, <laughs> this, it is this just, album is just the running shits. Yeah, it's it's the whole thing is just freaking awful. Oh, absolutely. And I have I have nothing else on this. Um. And while we're on the topic of this, uh, one of my coworkers brought up the fact that you know there there are no there's a lot of Metallica albums out there, but possibly one of the worst ones besides this was the one that they did with Lou Reed. Yeah, that's, that that was bad. I mean, pretty, Metallica put out a lot of great stuff, but they also put out a lot of crap. <laughs> let's let's be real here. Um, and then the other album they had that was somewhat terrible um, was the orchestral album. That they had. See, I'm I'm actually going to disagree with your your coworker. Was it? That wasn't. My dad said the. Oh, the your dad. I didn't mention okay, that. Yeah. My dad mentioned that the orchestral one was bad. I, I there's a few. So- I'm not going to lie. There's yeah. a few songs that I did like. There are that, points where that album works, and then there are points where it doesn't. Which like that's I've, any album. I I've guess. never heard an orchestral album that was. Uh, I don't know. Like I just feel like there's always this kind of like dragging somewhere you know something somewhere doesn't work and it just kind of gets forced in there because it's like oh we have to do the greatest hits and we have to have yeah. everything there yeah i guess i guess you have a point there and the scorpions actually have a really good uh that and didn't rush do an orchestral album or they did a concert uh, where they did play they, with the orchestra yeah they did their last album and i'm oh man i'm a terrible rush fan i don't remember actually what the album was called mm. uh it's like bu2b or something like that right and that they actually used i think a string quartet for most of the album yeah that sounds right yeah 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 well we're gonna move right along from metallica <laughs> here God, uh so bad. just hearing that in my headphones i just want to like go bang my head against the fucking wall um Moving on, uh, we're because we're not just gonna do rock. Uh, we have a country song on here. Um, this next song, <laughs> if you've never heard it, by all means, please go out and listen to it. Like I said, the list will be up on our site on our blog, which we'll be putting out so you can see. Um, anyway, this is a Trace Atkins song that goes by the name of Brown Chicken, Brown Cow. I just, I, I mean, it's got that awesome banjo intro. How yeah. can you? Which I mean, again, this is one thing where it start. I mean. It starts off and it's you know it's okay it's just a normal country song and then it just it just spirals downhill yeah it, no you know what it doesn't spiral downhill it's it's just a plane crash like it starts to take off and then it just like just jackknifes right into the pavement yeah it, it it's almost like in the song he's like rapping to an extent 
Well, it's kind of. It's like that weird country, like yeah. It's kind of got that country, like uh, it's it's country for its own sake. Like it has nothing really to say. So it it's basically just like if the idea of country came to life and just made a song, and it's like just generic things that happen to people who live. I mean that line, rural areas, and and that line, uh, crawl up on the barn, or (laughs) what did he just say? Damn it! I just heard the lyric on there, and it's it's totally blanked on what it was because my head went somewhere else. Just just listening to this, and if you just listen to this song lyrically, you just kind of want to hit your head against the wall. Again, and then and then you get to the chorus because he does that Trace Adkins brown chicken brown cow drum freaking <laughs> brown chicken brown. Cow. I mean, this is the second song that's made you want to hit your head against the wall. So. I think this entire list is going to make me want to hit my head yeah. against this wall. It's not a bad title for this playlist, actually. <laughs> songs to hit your head against the wall too because you want to die. I think that's a great title for the playlist. Yeah, I think that works. Oh my uh, god, this just doesn't get better. The yeah. longer I listen to it, the more I hate it. And the worst part is is it's so like the song itself is so boring that I I can't even I mean Trace Atkins is a talented guy, but I just I can't find anything else to say about this. It's just that awful. This is coming from the guy who wrote the song Honky Tonk Madonga Dog. Yeah, which again, arguably, probably not a career, <laughs> career high point there either. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that hit the charts though. He he it, had a good song. Yeah, that hit the charts hard too. Everybody uh, in the world knows that song. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we are all lesser for it. Oh God, it's just it's just so awful. All right, uh, we're gonna move along. This one, uh, uh, our friend uh, Amanda brought to my attention earlier, and I had never heard this song up until today. Um, but apparently last year, I think it was last year. Yes, actually, this was published on their YouTube page December 20th of the last year. So a little over a month ago. Panic at the Disco's Feel Like Christmas. My God, it is a train wreck off of the start. It's it's like they just took a bunch of country lyrics, or I'm sorry, Christmas lyrics, like cut them up and just threw them in a bowl and then just like, just like, just shit in the bowl. It's almost like they listened to a couple of Michael Bublé songs and like, all right, we can totally replicate some great. of this. And it, it's just, but like, what happened to Panic at the Disco? They like, number one, they used to be a band where, you know, they would write their own songs and not steal riffs from famous songs from the nineteen eighties. You know <laughs> who you are. So, the, go, go ahead, go. Ahead. Now, so the 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 beat of this song, it sounds like. You know, on a keyboard, you get those. You can hit it and set it to the mode where it's like orchestral hits. That's what this entire yeah. riff sounds like. It's like, dun, dun, dun. it just it just sounds like Brandon Yuri, or I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. It just sounds like him like recording this late at night, and then he's like, ah, fuck it, I'm the lead singer, of Panic in the Disco. I, I'm just gonna put out a Christmas song. I shit you not. When I heard about this song earlier, I turned it on for about thirty seconds. And turned it off. This is the farthest I, either of us have ever gotten into. I, I believe. I and there, I really don't want to go that much farther. This is how bad this song At is. At least it's short. I will. I, I can see that we're almost halfway done the song. Uh, yeah, it's a two minute and forty nine second song according to YouTube. But, so, oh, and by the way, they did not put this on Spotify. So, which makes me think that the record company's like, yeah, no. No, I think that was Spotify. They're just like, guys, no. we can't, we can't touch this. Come on. Spotify got the thing, and they're like, we we really need to upload this. You Dude, sure? Are are you sure people want to hear this? Do is you this what the finish people, it first? Is, is this what the people want? Are we are we sure this is what they want? God, every day does feel like Christmas when you turn this fucking thing off. All right. Um 
And the last one is like literally somebody vomiting in my ears. This is this is the last song we're gonna go over. Uh, I mean, is this even a song? It's a minute and a half long. So, I, the song is "My World" by Guns is Ro- Guns and Roses, which came off of the "Use Your Illusion" two album, um, which in itself wasn't their best piece of work, in my opinion. I mean, it had its, some of its high points. See, I, I'm a, I'm a Guns N' Roses fan who sticks mostly to Appetite, and I know that one of the Use Your Illusions is better than the other, and I'm guessing that this is the bad one, <laughs> just because I don't understand how this couldn't just derail an entire album, because so, it's just that bad. So the recognizable songs off of the Use Your Illusion album, just to give you a heads up, Don't Cry, which I know you've heard. Use Your Illusion 2. Use Your Illusion 2, excuse me. Um, Don't Cry. Okay. I know you know that song. You Could Be Mine. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, the top one, Knocking on Heaven's Door, which was obviously covered. Wait, so this is like the good one then. And Civil War was on this album. Um, what? Maybe this was the good one. I could have swore Use Your Illusion I mean, 2 was the shitty one. You just named like three of the most famous Guns N' Roses song and, uh, songs on one album. So eh. I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know where anything else could come from at that point. Uh, well, we're not, not going to talk about Chinese democracy either. I, I tried to listen to it uh, last week, believe it or not. I got about half. Actually, no, you were right. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh. But you're right. The second one is probably. Oh, no, the original Don't Cry is on Use Your Illusion 1. And yeah. November Rain is on. Uh, so uh, that's, uh, it's, that's it's a, a that's tie. A, that's a song. I remember song. growing up, my dad always hated one of them. And I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> it was it was definitely. It was one of those two because right. there's only two of them. So. Right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I actually tried to listen to Chinese Democracy. How'd uh, that go? Uh, It's just so, you know. Like if it had come out in you know 1997 when it was supposed to, uh-huh. I I'm sure that it I'm sure that it you know it might have done something, but it's it you know you can just tell that it's been re-recorded and rewritten and it, it's just a mess. And I admire people who got through it and listened to the entire thing and actually didn't let their feelings uh, cloud their judgment because I I just couldn't do it. Yeah, no, uh, we're we're listening to the the my world song now and it, it honestly sounded like it was a failed like wwe intro song oh absolutely like it's like guns and roses is like all right i'm gonna watch the ww my god we could put out something that sounds just like it and, and then welcoming it, to the ring like you could just hear it over that you hear it over it but then it just steeps off like i could just i can just see randy orton coming out and and just being awful as bad as the song potentially oh this oh <laughs> Yes, because he is probably one of my least favorite wrestlers well, of all time, I mean, too. Isn't he everybody's? No, he's not. No, Definitely not. Oh, no, 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 no. There are a lot. Of That's <laughs> right. We saw him in a Punjabi, Punjabi prison, prison match. match. We paid money for it. Because Jinder Mahal. The joke is which, on us. Yeah. Couldn't see a goddamn thing that entire time. No. Um, that'll be a nice segue, though. That was that was our list of, of six songs by artists that are well, very good artists that just put out really shitty pieces People of crap. People should have known better, I think, is a good... Like, at some point in time, somebody had to look at them, or should have looked at them and be like, yo, nah, man. Nah, this, this, this... This ain't working. Let's put this one away. Let's just put this to bed. Let's just not include it on the album. I mean, that song that we, we had by Guns N' Roses was literally a minute and 26 seconds. They could have done without it on that album because it was already like a <laughs> freaking 15-track album of of a pair of albums that came out at the same time yeah we could have sincerely done without that 
Anyway, we were saying that it was almost like a WWE intro, and this is going to segue to Ben, who is actually spending a... What, do, you, do you have a name for this weekend? You should uh, come up with a really fun name for this. The weekend where I potentially come to hate something that I love very dearly. <laughs> sure, let's go with that. Yeah, that works, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, 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 this Tomorrow, I'm going to a NXT live uh, event in Tom's River, New Jersey. NXT is like the... Uh, development uh, promotion for WWE where they kind of like develop new talent. Mm. Uh, and then uh, Saturday, I'm going to NXT TakeOver, which is NXT's big pay-per-view event. And that's, you know, where they, you know, all the crazy matches happen and all this, that, and the other thing. Um, Sunday there, I mean, obviously Sunday is the Royal Rumble. I, I don't know if anyone listening is going to know that. but um, that. Yeah, well, yeah, you knew that. <laughs> uh, so... I am watching the Rumble. I'm not going because I couldn't really afford tickets. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a uh, event going on at 2300 Arena in South Philly, though, where another wrestling promotion in Philadelphia is putting a show on. Um, so I'm kind of debating going to that. Uh, and then right. Monday and Tuesday, uh, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live are both still in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So potentially uh, I'm going to try and go to SmackDown. If yeah, I can find decent tickets. And that would be Tuesday. Oh, God. Yes. Those tickets are expensive for those, too. Because yeah. I, I remember when we got ours for the, uh, when we went to the, oh, God, what was the name of that? Battleground. Paper? Battleground. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. <laughs> we went to Battleground. That was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, I mean, my thought with it is, I mean, the TV tapings don't tend to pull in, like, the same house numbers as, uh, as pay-per-views. But, I mean... It's you know it's the SmackDown after the big the second biggest pay per view yeah. of the year so well, I'm le- sure that they're gonna have tons of people there. Well, at least this time when you go, you're not gonna have a giant fucking Punjabi prison over top of the ring that blocks don't, your view. Don't give Vince McMahon ideas. Well, well, if we make them pay more for tickets, they'll buy lower ones, and if they can't see. Oh, speaking of Vince McMahon. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the return of the XFL is imminent. It seems like. Yeah. So that's. I mean. That's a thing. I I. I just don't know what he's like. I said, <laughs> I like I was telling you all before, before we came on, I think it has potential because a lot of people, like I was saying, are pissed off at the NFL. They're tired of seeing fucking Tom Brady and the Patriots go to the Super Bowl either every year or every other fucking year. And they're, they're probably tired of the monotony of it. So there is a sliver of hope. Right. A sliver <laughs> that people will actually catch on to it and like it this time. But Another thing that we were talking about, um, I believe Matt was talking about us and Ron when we were earlier. These are friends of ours that we have a, a chat with. They were saying that who's going to really go and uh, go out and try for the XFL. And we're like, well, you got the people that don't get drafted. Right. Um, the people that either retire from the NFL or are suspended, released. Because I could see Vince McMahon be like, my God, he was released for this? We yeah. could totally use him on the team. What's that? A serial murderer? <coughs> uh, just to add to the well, allure of the XFL. And it, it just it boggles my mind that, I mean, the original XFL is gone down in, in, in sports history as just this massive boondoggle, this massive just waste of people's time and money and... You know, if it had, if it had had a semi-successful run, and and you know, you could look back on parts. If there of it. was a sliver of hope, right? Yeah, <laughs> if there was anything that he could look back at and say, "Oh well, you know, if this had gone my way, it would have worked." 
Uh, I, I, I like the fact that I can't talk about Vince McMahon without doing an impression of him. Yeah, no, um, I can't either. It's weird. Yeah, it just happens. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I just don't know what he thinks he can do differently. Um, I mean, it's the NFL. They're, they they are the the 300-ton tiger tank in the room. Like, you just, what are you going to do to them? I, I don't know. Um but another thing that was brought up is the fact that they might try to do it in the off season of the NFL, which does potentially, it, it gives them a little bit more potential with it because everybody wants to watch football all year round, obviously. Right. And that's, that's fair. Um, so it kind of gives you something to do in the off season, but you know, I, I just, I, I, I looked it up on my phone cause I was curious and you know, supposedly in 2016, the NFL's gross revenue was 13 billion dollars and it, it just it, it, unless you're throwing just atrocious amounts amounts of money at it like how you know and if it starts getting traction like you know somehow if people start watching it engaging with it what stops the nfl from being like oh well we're just going to start playing games in the summertime like it's the yeah, nfl and if they can pretty much do whatever they want and i mean these are the people who like didn't let you celebrate after scoring touchdowns. You really think they're going to like... Oh, they just brought that back this year, finally. Oh, oh did they? Yeah, that's they, the Eagles did it. They had a team celebration where they were like set up as bowling pins, and then one of the guys, it might have been... um, What's his name? Uh, Wentz, before he got hurt, like pretended to bowl a bowling ball. Really? And they all just fell over in the end zone. I'm pretty sure it was the Eagles. I could be wrong. It might have been a different team. I, I could have swore it was the Eagles, though. I mean, that... Uh, because what they did was they didn't allow group celebrations for a while. And then this year, right. the NFL's like, oh, yeah, we can totally bring those back. It'll do, get our ratings back up. <laughs> do, do they still have rules against using the ball as a prop? Because yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. And I don't think you can use the goalpost as a prop. Either. I, I still I, think that's a I thing. have a memory that is burned in my brain. I'm pretty sure, again, I'm pretty sure it's an Eagles game where a player took it and stuffed it under his jersey like it was a baby and then it then he like popped it out like he was giving birth to yeah, the ball yeah yeah like he was like he was giving birth to the ball which i'm sure at the time seemed like a great idea but oh, yeah, you know, sure in retrospect absolutely um but yeah just like final thoughts like Vince i mean come on buddy like yeah what are you what do you think y- you're this? already fucking up the WWE like <laughs> come on man yes and that'll segue nicely <laughs> into our next sporting event, Ben uh, and I will be hosting the Indianapolis Sports, Sports Bowl. Bowl 350. Yeah. That's right. That's coming up soon. Yeah, uh, exact date still being worked out because in the sportsmanship of this, they only like to give like a week notice before. Right, right. Before, so that would, you know, it really catches the competitors and, by surprise. And also traditionally that, you know, it should only take uh, A-class competitors uh, a week to carve out their toboggans. That's right. The toboggans, um, the Australian t- cricket team can obviously get their baseball bats ready. Well, yeah, and they, I mean, they just look so stout this year. They do I, look very stout. Their shin guards, I mean, I've never seen a pair of shin guards on somebody like that mm-hmm. until I saw the Australian cricket team. And and their Aquaman trident using uh, uh, combine last week, I, I was stunned into silence a couple times with some of their prospects. So this is one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. When the Australian cricket team comes out, you know when, like, in the NFL, the cheerleaders will, like, hold their pom-poms in the air and everything else or you know like a, at a, a high school football game they'll run through uh like a piece of paper like a big mural with their team name on right. it so when the australian cricket team comes out they have a giant inflatable sydney opera house that they sit out there oh yeah yeah it, it's incredible and they they just stand there 
and then they run through it, and then they do like operatic gestures, like holding their arm out, and, like right. pretending no, to, yeah. to be in the opera. And it's it, it's insane, and it, and it harkens back to the the strong uh, Aboriginal traditions of uh, of spirit calling, and you know, it just it really uh, it, it, it's the it's the spirit and pride of Australia uh, being brought to the toboggan uh, racetrack field. Yeah, Uluru. All right. <laughs> So that is going to conclude our episode for today. We want to thank you for listening to uh, Don't Cough on the Sushi. My name's Ian Martini, and alongside me, Ben Kuntz. That's right, Ben Kuntz. Uh, try to have a great rest of your week, everybody. Tomorrow's Friday, and it is a payday for me. I don't know about it, the rest of y'all. You get paid every week. Me. Fuck you. Oh, come on. You work in construction. You get paid every week. Yeah. Uh, try to have a good weekend, everybody. Try to do anything too stupid or, you know, do or what do you want. You know, whatever. 